I want to I wanna talk uh, actually on the Word of God, and I take it from the Luke chapter 5. So if you could follow me to Luke chapter 5, that would be great. Uh, so I entitled this sermon, The Quest in Following Jesus. You see, we're always on a quest to do something in our lives. We're always on a discipleship journey, right, to follow Jesus or to um, learn more to be like Jesus. So if you're, are you at Luke, Luke, Luke 5? For those who don't have a hard copy Bible or you, or you don't have an electronic Bible, you may turn your eyes to the screen and we would read Luke 5 together. We're all there. Can we read together with, it, with me? Amen? All right. One, two, three. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let us for a catch. Master. Oh, let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Let me open with a word of prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. We thank you, Lord God, for the word of God that is like a double-edged sword to pierce our hearts, to convict us of what needs to be convicted, and to inspire us to love you, to honor you, and to serve you more. Holy Spirit, just you're welcome in this place. Come and freely flow among us. Come and speak to us in a still, small voice. And Holy Spirit, we give you permission, Lord Jesus, to come and speak into our lives. So we dedicate this service to you. We dedicate the Word of God into your hands. We dedicate our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Luke 5. Luke 5 is a very familiar passage. It's the passage where Jesus invited the disciples, well, Back then, it wasn't disciples, but he invited people to be his disciples and the 12 disciples all together. It's a very familiar passage if you're under a discipleship class by Pastor Lichu. She will always use Luke 5 and she will always use Matthew 4. And today, I want to I wanna, I wanna give a different spin on the verse that is always talked about in SIBKL because we, we are a discipleship-making church. We are a discipleship-journeying church. Amen, church? So in, in the quest of following Jesus... In following Jesus, now, discipleship is following Jesus, right? In your journey of discipleship, I found that there is always a process, and everybody goes through the same process, whether you realize it or not. I'm just trying to articulate it this, this, this morning. There is a process in following Jesus, and the first process is what I like to call the wow factor. You need to be wowed by Jesus. If you are not wowed by Jesus, why follow Him? 
See, more often than not, we, we like to think that we're disciples of Christ. We like to think that we're following Jesus, right? Because, you know, maybe we're in church, or maybe we we're in cell, or maybe we're doing something. We like to think that we're following Jesus, and that's not wrong. That's okay. But at the end, I, at the end of the day, I want to implore to us to say that if we're not wowed by Jesus, it's very difficult to follow a person you're not wowed at, Right? right? I want to follow a person that's better than me. I want to follow a person that's bigger than me. I want to follow a person that knows more than me, right? And, and, I, and this morning, I want, to, I want to say to church, I want to say to SIBKL, Jesus is bigger. Jesus knows more. Jesus is better, and He is worthwhile to follow as long as we have the wow factor. Are you still wowed by Jesus? And I take this from the passage. When they had done so, they being Simon Peter and, and his friends, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know, if you're not aware, Jesus' day job is not being the Messiah. He became the Messiah at the end of his tenure at his death and resurrection. He became that Messiah. But he had a day job, and he's a carpenter, right? So, and in those days, um, they don't have Ikea. They have the Chrysia, right? It's just, anyways, they, they go to Jesus and his house, and they say, can I have a stool, right? They can I have a table, right? And, he's, and, and he says, yes, I'll make it one for you. It's made by Jesus. It's anointed, right? So every time you sit, you're healed. I don't know, I'm just kidding, right? So he's a carpenter. Now, the fishermen are fishermen, right? And if you don't know already, um, an, one person of another profession very rarely or never tells a person of another profession what to do. For example, I'm a pastor, and supposedly my responsibility is to study the Word of God and to, and to speak about the Word of God and to pastor the church. That's my responsibility, right? I'm not a gynecologist. I would not go into the hospital and pretend to be a gynecologist when someone is doing a C-section and I'll tell the gynecologist what to do. I would never go into a, a courtroom and tell the lawyer how to, about the penal code and about the legal system of Malaysia. I would not go into a classroom and tell the teacher how to teach the kids because I'm not a teacher, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a gynecologist, I'm a pastor. So I'm on stage telling, talking about the Word of God. And it would be weird if I actually do step into a hospital and I tell the gynecologist what to do in a C-section and he listens to me. And it's the same situation with the disciples. It's weird that a carpenter is telling the disciples, the fishermen, what to do and Peter actually listened to him. And you might find it difficult to also hear and listen and obey to the voice of God because you have no idea who he is. And that's why we need to always read the Bible, pray every day, come to church. We need to be wowed by Jesus. We need to come back and say, Jesus, you wow me. And when I obey you and I put my net on the right-hand side of the boat, you're going to do a miracle for me. You're going to do something so great and so extraordinary, so astonishing that I cannot believe my eyes because I listen to you. And today, if you don't trust Jesus enough, I'm hoping that after this message, you will trust Jesus enough to give your life to Jesus. You can trust Jesus enough to put your life in the hands of Jesus because I want to be wowed by Jesus. And of course, you're asking me, but pastor, not everybody experienced a miracle. 
Not the disciples experienced a miracle, and that's why they gave their life to Jesus. Not everybody experienced a miracle. I never experienced a miracle. Maybe he never experienced a miracle. Why should I give my life to Jesus? And can I say the wow factor, when you are wowed by God, it does not always have to be by a miracle. It can be by the faithfulness of being in the presence of God, week in and week out, week in and week out, until one day in one service, God and the Holy Spirit speaks to you in a still, small voice, and you are wowed by one aspect of Jesus. Like maybe, maybe you're wowed because you realize what it means that He died for you to forgive your sins. Maybe you're wowed because He loves people so much that He's willing to die for people. Maybe you're wowed by many things. Do you know when I was a cell leader, um, back in the days when I was a cell leader, I, 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 would, I would follow up with the people who were visiting cell. And there was a young believer uh, uh, he was saved in church, and I followed up with him, and I said, would you come to my cell? And he said, okay, and I followed up with him for 12 weeks. Every single Tuesday night, I would message him and say, hey, brother, would you like to come to my cell tomorrow night, Wednesday night, my house, 8 p.m.? Would you like to come to my cell? Do you need transport? Do you need dinner? What can I do for you, right? That's what I would do every week. And in the beginning, he would come, and he came faithfully for 12 weeks. And at the 12 weeks, usually in, in, in my leadership style, I would sit the, I would sit the guy down, and i say, hey, How's cell for you? Would you like to be a part of the cell? Would you like to be a part of the family of God? We'd love to have you. How are you doing? And, he's, and he told me this. In the beginning, when I was texting him, in the beginning of the 12 weeks, for the first, second, third, fourth weeks, he was struggling to come to church. He was saved. He's a Christian. He's a believer. But he was struggling to come to church. And just so you know, if you're newly saved in this church, Wednesday nights and Friday nights are not reserved for cell. Right? They're reserved for movies, they're reserved for hanging out with friends, they're reserved for chilling out at home, right? So that's why discipling people is to disciple them into the lifestyle of Christ, okay? That's one, what's one way. So he said in the beginning, he was struggling to come to cell. He didn't want to come. Every time I text him, he came because he feels obliged to come, because he didn't want to hurt my feelings. He feel, you know, he feel like, you know, he's forced to come. And by the fifth, sixth, seventh week, something changed. And at the end of the twelfth weeks, he felt like, I didn't need to text him anymore, and he just wants to come to cell. And I sat him down, and I said, okay, why? Is it because the Word of God in cell was awesome? I was doing the Word of God, by the way, right? <laughs> Is it because of the Word of God? He said no. I was like, okay, okay. Um, Moving on, all right? I said, is it, is it the worship in cell? Because worship is so good, right? We only sing hill songs, right? Or we only sing Bethel, whatever. Is it so good? And he's like, no. I said, okay, fine. Is it the friends then? Is it because we're such a, a family of believers, the community of believers? I know we're so friendly, you know? And, and he says, no. I said, okay, what is it? You're not in love with me, right? Okay. Um, what is it, right? Uh, what is it that made you come to cell? And he said, something changed midweek between week 12. Uh, be, between week six and week seven, he began to have a hunger for Christ because he, he realized that coming to cell was just being in the presence of God. He may not understand the cell word because he's not a Christian for so long. He don't understand all the Bible stories. He don't know how to sing the worship songs because, hey, he's just a new believer. He's never sung any song. He don't even know what's Hillsong, right? He's never, he doesn't know what to sing. He doesn't know how to sing. He doesn't know what the word is all about. But he said every time he comes, he feels joy. And he cannot explain it. And he says it's just the presence of God. It's a presence in a cell, and it's the same thing. To him, that is his wow factor. It does not have to be a miracle. 
It does not have to be a blind man sees. It doesn't have to be a crippled man walk for you to be wowed by Jesus. It can just be you faithfully coming to SIBKL every single week. You may not understand what I'm talking about or whoever's talking about here. You may not understand or sing along with the worship team because you don't know the songs and they're all new to you. But just to be in the presence of God every week, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, if you come week in, week out faithfully, God will speak to you and show you who He is, and you have no choice but to be wowed by Him. We will only follow someone that we are wowed by. Amen, church? I want to I hope that at the end of this message, we are still wowed by Jesus, that our faith is not stale. Our faith, if we see someone healed, we go, oh, that's okay. Every, every week, SIBKL heals people. That's a normal thing. I don't want to, I don't want, I hope I don't hear that, you know, somebody is saved in the service and they gave their life to Jesus for the very first time and then we go, that's normal. Every week somebody's saved in SIBKL. I don't want to, I, I hope I don't hear that because I hope that every time a life is saved, we're still wowed. I hope that every time a miracle is done, we're still wowed. And I hope that if none of that happened and we're still in the church, this is God's house and we are still wowed by God. Amen? Amen, church? And then you ask me, is being wowed by God enough? It's being wowed by God equates to me following Jesus. And this morning, I want to say, it's not enough. It's not enough to just be wowed by Jesus. You see, you can be wowed by a lot of things. You can be wowed by a prime minister. Wow, he's 90 years old. He's still leading the country. That's a wow factor, right? Who does that? We're the first in the entire world. Who does that? We're wowed. But do we follow him? I mean, do we give our lives to him? No. We could be wowed by a celebrity, right? Wow, this celebrity is so good looking. This celebrity is so hot. This celebrity can do 1,000 sit-ups in a day. You know what I do on Instagram now, right? right. Wow, this guy is, is so hot, right? Um, I can't, by the way. You know, I tried to walk up today. I tried to follow Pastor Chu's footsteps to walk up six floors all the way here. I don't know how he does it. I took 15 minutes just to recover, right? Uh, I, I realized I'm not fit. Or at least I'm not as fit as him, right? We are wowed by a lot of things, but we don't follow them. And the next step to your discipleship journey process is when you are wowed by Jesus, you bow to Jesus. When you are wowed by Jesus, you bow to Jesus. You know, bowing is an act of humility. How many of us bow to people? Only in ancient China, right? right? How many of us bow to anyone anymore? We don't bow to people because bowing is an act of humility. Bowing is an act of lowering yourself in order to lift that person up. Do you know, guys, in case you don't know and if you're single and you want to propose to your girlfriend to be your wife, you have to get on one knee, right? That is the, that's the convention, right? Well, you don't have to, but it'd be nice to, right? Get on one knee. Do you know why you get on one knee? Just in case, it's, it's not a social convention, right? You need to know the meaning behind the why. Well, at least I researched it before I proposed to my wife. When you get on one knee, you are actually telling the girl, I want to give my life to you, to serve you, to love you, my whole life. And I want you to be my wife. Only you, no one else, just you. And in that process, until the day we die, I will love you, I will serve you, I will, if you want a cup of coffee, I make it for you. If you want a breakfast in bed, I make it for you. Don't get ideas, my wife right? This is just suggestions for the crowd. <laughs> Not my wife, right? Um, if, you, 
You want me to clean the toilet? I'll clean it for you, right? You're in the middle of the night. I really want Chakwetel. You find it for me, right? Um, that's why we bow and get on one knee. We don't do that to anyone, but we do that to the person that we can trust. And if you're wowed by Jesus, we can bow to Jesus. And bowing to Jesus means to surrender our lives to Him. Let's take a, a book out of Simon Peter. When Simon Peter saw this, this being the miracle that Jesus did for him, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. The first thing he did when he was wowed by Jesus, he bowed to Jesus. He says, Wow, this is a man who controls the fish. This is a man who controls my occupation. This is a man who controls the weather. This is the man who controls healing. This is a man who controls love, joy, and peace. Who is this man? I am nowhere like this man. I bow to him. Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus? Do you trust him enough to surrender your life to Jesus? Or do you say, you can have all of my life except this part of my life? You can have everything, Jesus, except this part of my life. When you surrender to Jesus, you surrender everything and you let Jesus work in you. When you are wowed by Jesus, you need to bow to Jesus and say, God, you are God and I am not. You ask me to go, I will go. You ask me to serve, I will serve. You ask me to love the man that spit in my face, I will love the man that spit in my face. You ask me to do X, Y, and Z, I will do X, Y, and Z because I recognize that you are the authority over my life. Christians, in your discipleship journey, are you willing, are you ready to bow to Jesus? Are you? Because if the answer is no, I'm hoping that you will search your spirits this morning and say the answer needs to be a yes in order for me to be a disciple of Christ. And if you are not here in the first week when Pastor Chu said this, he said, if you, he said, and he quoted the Bible, and God says, Jesus said, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of me. And that's scary. If you're not willing to wow if you're not willing to be wowed by me, if you're not willing to bow to me, you're not worthy of me. And I'm hoping that the whole church is always worthy of God to follow Him wherever He wants you to go. But that's not all. You can be wowed by God. You can bow to God. And if it stops there, we would just be a complacent Christian they will come to church every single week. They will come to cell every single week and we think our job is done because we have surrendered our, a bit of time on a Wednesday night to go to cell. We have surrendered two hours on a weekend to come to church and we think that's all. That's our surrender, God. That's good and great. But we need to complete the discipleship process. When you are wowed by Jesus, you automatically want to bow to Jesus and to complete the journey, you need to vow to serve Him, vow to love Him, vow to honor Him. See, it says here, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed Him. Simon Peter vowed to follow Jesus, and he showed, he showed it by leaving his nets, his occupation, his livelihood, and follow Jesus. 
he vowed. He completed the process by saying, I will follow you, I will serve you, I will be your disciple, and I will do what you have told me to do. I vow to serve him. Now, the common interpretation for this verse is that people say, Jesus told Peter to leave your nets and follow him. And nowhere do I read such interpretation. See, when Jesus is calling you this morning, and Jesus is saying, church, SIBKL, come and follow me. He did not and will not stipulate what your come and follow me means to you. Every single one here will be different. You see, it's Peter's own free will that Peter left his own net and followed Jesus. Jesus never ordered Peter to leave his net. Jesus said, come and follow me. What does it mean to you to come and follow me? Peter said, it means everything. I would give my life to you. That's Peter. But that's not you. For example, when God called me to come into church, and he said, come and follow me, Isaac. Come and follow me. What does it mean to you? And I said, what it means to me is, I'll give up my occupation to come into church full-time to serve you. That's me. What about you? It's not the same for you. And this is not a call for the whole church to come full-time. This is not. This is a call to say when Jesus asks you to come and follow Him, what does that mean to you? What is your surrender? What is your sacrifice? We have to sacrifice something. When Jesus said, read the Bible, you have to sacrifice either to read the Bible or to watch something on the TV. You have to sacrifice your TV time. When Jesus says, come and lead a cell with me, you have to sacrifice a Wednesday night to meet your people and have ministry with your people and of course, hopefully with your family. And you have to sacrifice the things that you could have done on a Wednesday night that you can't now because you're doing ministry. That's you. What about you? Can you sacrifice one hour a day to read the Bible? Can you sacrifice one hour before service to come in early to serve in church? Can you sacrifice something? What is your surrender to God? Because if you do not vow to follow Jesus and all you do is just come to church and raise your hands and, and bow to Jesus, can I say this? Your discipleship journey is not complete. Remember I started by saying that you cannot learn to be more like Christ if you don't serve in some way or another. Now, serving does not mean you must always serve in church. And I didn't say this in a second service, but I'd like to clarify it here. You could also serve your family at home. Serving family is a, is a service. Serving your workplace is a service. Serving other ministries is also a service. But the question is, are you serving something? Are you giving a part of your life to serve Jesus Christ? Are you vowing a part of your life to be more like Him? And that is what it means to follow Jesus. And then you ask me, how can I be sure that if I bow to Jesus and if I vow to follow Jesus, how can I be sure that everything is going to be okay in my life? How can I be sure? How are you so confident, pastor, that you have given your life to Christ and you think everything is going to be okay? Maybe you're more holy than me and I'm not, right? How can I be sure? And let me tell you this. This is, this is my story and this is going to be your story as well. You can be 100% confident, with confidence, that when you bow and when you vow to love Jesus, your life is going to be okay because you follow the man that originated this process, Jesus Christ. When you look at his life, and when I study his life, and I look at what he did, he did the three same things in order to finish his mission on earth. He was wowed by God, he bowed to God, 
and he vowed to finish his mission on earth to serve God. If you finish the book of Matthew and you go all the way to the end, when you, book, when you read, not just Matthew, you read John chapter 17, and you hear Jesus' prayer to God. And if I were to sum up his whole prayer, his whole prayer is this. God, you sent me here on earth to die for the sins of mankind in order for them to be free, to be reconciled to you, the Father, so that they can have eternal life. And when he saw how much God the Father loves us all, that he's willing to give his one and only son to save us all, Jesus was wowed. He says, wow, this is my mission. Wow, God is a loving God. Wow, God is a gracious God. Wow, God is a merciful God. Jesus was wowed by God. But if Jesus stopped there and all he did was being wowed by Jesus, right? All he did is, Jesus, wow, you're you, God, you're wow, you, you, you're awesome. You're good. Wow. And if he stopped there, we would never have the gospel. I won't be standing here. You won't be in this church because there will not be Christianity if he just wowed at God. He did the second step. Remember, on before the last week of his last week on earth, he entered the Garden of Gethsemane and he bowed to God. Do you remember? When he entered the Garden of Gethsemane and he knows it's his last week on earth and he told his, he told his disciples, the first disciples that, that were following him, he told them, you stand there, you pray, intercede for me. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to my father. And he didn't talk to his father like, God, what should I do? He says, God, I'm humbling myself before you. And he took a knee. Jesus bowed. And if our God can bow to the Father, who are we to not bow to him? Amen? He bowed. He took a knee. Jesus took a knee in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked the Father, do, do I have to go through with this mission? Do I have to die for the sins of mankind? And God said, yes. And he says, your will be done in my life. Can you do the same for Jesus Christ? He did it for you. Can you do the same for Him? Can you bow your knees to Jesus and say, you bowed your knees to God, Jesus. You gave your life to me, Jesus. I'm going to bow my life to you. I can trust in you. I can surrender something to you. Holy Spirit, teach me what is it that I need to surrender to you. Jesus bowed. But that's not all. If Jesus only bowed to God and He didn't finish the race, we still wouldn't have Christianity. Likewise in our life, if we are just wowed by God and all we do is bow to God, we still will not have a church. Nobody will be serving in this church. We still wouldn't have a discipleship life because we're still not going to vow to serve Him. And that's why Jesus showed us the way. He vowed to finish His mission. He got up and the last week of His life, He was before he was in, in, he was in a court case and they sentenced him to the cross, to die on the cross. And on the road to, to, to the Calvary, he took the cross, he carried the cross and he vowed to finish the mission. He was wowed by God, he bowed to God and he vowed to finish the mission no matter what it takes. And every step he takes, he's thinking of each one of us here. He's thinking of me first of all, this, this sinner saved by grace. This sinner here who, who lies, this sinner who is not perfect, this sinner who don't work hard enough, this sinner who gossip, slanders, I would die for Isaac. And he looked at you, any one of you. You gossiped this week. You slandered your boss behind his back. 
but I'll die for you. And he looked at you. You gambled all your family's money away, for example, and they have nothing to eat tomorrow. You sinned. He died for you. And then he looked at this side. Oh, you're prideful. You, you, you think you're better than everybody else. You think you're the best. Sin. I'll die for you. He took another step. And he looked this side. Oh, you, oh, you eat everything in the world. You have, you know, you're, you're a glutton, right? You can't stop eating and you're overweight and, and you have all sorts of diseases. Sin. I'll die for you. It's okay. I'll die for you. And look at this side. You're, you're, you, you cannot even be humble enough to recognize that God is the sovereign authority on earth. It's okay. I will still die for you. And he took every step he took, he was thinking of his vow to finish the mission all the way to Calvary. And he died on that cross to finish what he started so that we can have freedom and life in Christ. He died for all our sins to free us to serve him, to love him, to honor him. But that's not all. That's not all. And then you ask me, that's Jesus. I serve God? Am I have to be like Jesus? Do I have to die like Jesus? No, no, no. That's Jesus. Your life is your life. However you want to serve Him, you serve Him. I want to end with this. John 12, 26. John 12, 26 says, if you serve me, you must follow me. And if you follow me, I will be with you. And God will honor those who serve Him. Let me say it again, John 12, verse 26. If you serve Him, you must follow Him, discipleship. And if you follow and serve Him, He will be with you, relationship. And God will honour those who serve Him. God honoured Jesus when He finished His mission and raised Him up on the third day so that we can be victorious in Christ. We can have freedom to love and serve Him. And that's how I know without a shadow of a doubt that if we give our lives to Jesus, if we give our serving to Jesus, if we honour Jesus, I know for a fact that God says He will honour you. He didn't say He will honour you how you want to be honoured. I want to be honoured by being rich. I want to be honoured by, by being good-looking. I want to be honoured by, by, by having a good family. That is not, that is not how God says He will honour you. God says He will honour you how He wants to honour you, how He thinks that you needs it needs best. Some people need sleep best. Some people need love best. Some people need a miracle healing to be honoured. Some people need a good family to be honoured. How God honours you is how God honours you. And that's up to Him. Up to us is whether we give our life to Him, whether we vow to serve Him. If Jesus trusted God enough to put His life in God's hand, can we trust God enough to give God one hour in a week to give Him the best, to serve Him in this house so that we can experience the presence of God so that lives are changed, so that people are changed, so that demons are casted out, so that healings can happen, so that things can happen in the realm and the Word of God that now, no, nowhere else could know and may the whole world know that salvation is only found in this house. May the whole world know that if you want to change change the country, it is found in this house. May the whole world know that they can hate and they can be racist and they can be prejudiced, but not in this house. We are loving and we will love every race. We will love every single strata of society, no matter where you come from, rich or poor. May the world know that the hope for the world can only be found in this house, but it can only be done if all of us here are wowed by Jesus, we bow to Jesus, and we vow to serve Jesus.
and then you still ask me the question, but, but pastor, I've been serving for five years, I've been serving for 10 years, and my family is still broken up, I'm still sick, I'm not a happy man, my business is not going well, what, is it worth it for me? Is it worth it? Does, how does God honour me? Is it worth it? And can I end by saying this? I started this service by saying that you serve and serve and serve your child, and all he, all he can give back to you is a smile. Is it still worth it to be a parent? Yes. Can I say this to you? If you serve and serve God, and maybe He didn't give you what you want, maybe He didn't give you riches, maybe He didn't heal you, maybe He didn't give you a good family, maybe He didn't give you success at work, maybe He didn't, maybe in due time He will, but not yet. But what He does for you is when you serve Him, when you give your life to Him, God our Father smiles at you. It's pleased with you. Is it worth it? Church, is it worth it to have God our Father affirms us by smiling down on us, by saying we are ple He's pleased with us. He wants the best for us. Be patient, my son or my daughter. Your work will experience a breakthrough. Be patient in your family. You will experience a breakthrough. But for now, I'm smiling down on you. I'm pleased with you. And God is not a helpless baby. God is the God that's almighty. He's sovereign. He knows the past. He knows the future. He holds your life in His hands. He can take it away in an instant. He can give you life in an instant. He's the almighty God, your Father that gave you life, that is smiling down on you. And if you ask me, is it worth it to serve Him? Yes. And then you still ask me, how do I serve God? Servolution. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. If you feel God's calling you, that's an opportunity. Servolution. And then you ask me, when do I get to serve God? Now. You're wowed by Jesus. You bow to Jesus. You vow to serve Him. How you serve Him in church, and you serve Him now. There's no delay. Amen, church. Amen, church. Can I have all eyes closed? All heads bow in this place. Thank you, Father God. God, this is your church. And in this church, Father God, we will always be wowed by you. We will always bow to you. And we will always vow to love you. Vow to honor you. Vow to serve you in our lives no matter what. Even if it's easy, we will still vow to love you. Even if it's difficult, we will still vow to love you. Because it is worth it, Lord Jesus Christ. You are worth it. You gave it all for me, Father God. So I want to give it all to you. So Father God, I pray, Father God, you separate us, separate us now with your favor and your blessing. May your face shine upon us. May you protect our going in and going out. May the blood of Christ protect us and our families, Lord Jesus Christ, as we commit our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.